We are live now. All right. So welcome to the show. Today we got a guest, Carlos Cespedes. I hope I said that right. Yeah, that's um, right. He is a member of the Bush Hogs. They are out of North and South Carolina. And he is an operating room nurse dealing with this whole coronavirus issue right now. Uh, Brandon Chance gave me your contact info. He said you'd be a great person to talk to on the show. And I couldn't agree more. So I'm glad you came on the show and get to share, get to share some experiences here. All right. So, to be on. All right. So, uh, how long have you, how long have uh, you been playing paintball for? I've been playing paintball. I'm 46 years old and I've been playing paintball, uh, since about 1987, 88. So, yeah, uh, I started playing paintball. I grew up in South Florida and Miami. And um, I think my first paintball gun was a Nelspot 007 pump gun, 12 grand cartridges. We used to buy paint in little bags um, where a bag of paint was so expensive that you bought maybe 20, 30 paintballs at a time. And that had to last you all day. So uh, there wasn't a whole lot of shooting going on. There was a lot of sneaking, crawling, and trying to line up that perfect shot because it was so expensive to play that you wanted to make sure you made that shot. Um, so yeah, I mean, I started playing back in the 80s, back when it was first getting started playing. And uh, we were lucky that we lived in Miami. So uh, it was in the 80s during the drug epidemic. And there was a lot of uh, empty houses and na whole neighborhoods that had, that had started building. And because the developers got busted for drugs, some of these houses were left half built. So we had these like huge neighborhoods in essence that we could play paintball in. And we went in there and played in these half-built houses. It was great. It was like urban paintball was the best until wow. the developers bought the houses and finished them. And then we couldn't go in there anymore because uh, I remember one time we were out there playing probably like 88, 89. And um, we were in there playing like we always did, maybe 10, 15 guys running around. And the cops showed up. And I run out of one of the houses out into the middle of the street and there's a cop car. And these cops are sitting on the hood of their car, arms folded, kind of smiling. And we all kind of looked at them. We all put our guns on the ground and put our hands up. And they were just smiling. They were like, you know, guys, you guys can't play here anymore. It's private property. So uh, we got kicked out. So that was, we had, it was a fun time. It was kind of renegade paintball. There was no chronos. You knew how fast somebody was shooting by uh, how hard their balls hit you. And there was no adjusting the, the velocity on the fly to adjust the velocity on these paintball guns. You had to take them apart and change the spring combinations on them. If anybody, I'm sure older players will know some of these old nail spots and the PMIs, you had different colored springs and you change the springs on the gun and like a red spring and a green spring, then you shot around 300. So there was no exact science to it. It was, I'm shooting around 300, around 280. It could be 350 on a hot day with the CO2 canisters. So you would get nailed to these things. We didn't wear face masks, we were wearing just probably UVEX shop goggles, I think. Like they weren't even they weren't even approved for paintball. It's amazing that we didn't go blind. It was those were the fun days of paintball in a way. So yeah, I started playing years ago and you know played up through the years, uh, playing with pump guns for years. Um, I actually played um, with a lot of the guys that eventually became Miami Rage, uh, which is a paint they were a professional team. Which Miami Ridge was actually a combination of a couple teams that formed. Um, I forgot the name of the, the two teams that were, but they formed. Um, and when I was I was playing with a lot of these guys, um, 
that um, took over the team. His name was Chino, uh, Chino Carbajal. He was from the Florida, um, the Florida Annihilators. He took over the team and that became Miami Rage. So we were playing in the early days. Originally, they were they were all sponsored by PMI. So they used PMI threes. That's what everybody was playing with. And then we went to autocockers. You know, so the first NPPL tournament I ever played in back in 93, 94, I played with an autococker. Mechanical, wow. single trigger. Um, and um, then we went to e-bladed autocockers, which was like all the rage because then now you could shoot faster. You had a, you, you'd take your own autococker and buy the frame. Now you can shoot faster. And then they went to Angels. Everybody remembers the Angels. Wow. The old angel, you know, single, tr single trigger Angels. And then I was a back player. So I played, I ended up playing for many years with an old shoebox shocker, a single trigger shoebox shocker with a, with a stock on it and a remote line with a huge tank. So I could shoot, you know, we're playing 10 man. So I'm shooting half a case of paint <laughs> every other point. Wow. Cause I'm just laying paint down like a, like, 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 you know, like it's, you know, like it's nothing. We were just, you know, laying paint down like crazy, you know, lot, lot, big old 16, 18 inch all American barrel on the end of it having fun so yeah it's uh it's i've been playing paintball for years so i've seen the progression oh yeah from that's that's crazy like i would never have pictured no i would never pictured all that like i, I hadn't even been playing that long like that's that's a that's a pretty good history right there yeah I, I i was fortunate enough to see the evolution of paintball from pump guns to you know uncapped semi tournaments to then capped to now what we are where we are now and it's funny how it's kind of come full circle. Now we've got all these 10 man mech tournaments going on. And a lot of the younger guys, when, when I play at the field are like, Oh, they want to look at your mechanical gun. And like when you take an autococker out there, they're like amazed oh, yeah. about, about, you know, and, and it's cool to see this mechanical thing working when they're so used to just seeing um, electronic guns, spools and, 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 you know, poppet guns that when they see this mechanical autococker cycling back and forth, it's kind of cool to them. You know, it's a, uh, you know, to see something that's like, I wonder how that works, you know, because they see all the little hoses and they don't really know what's going on there. Um, yeah. And they just, you know, and then they realize how nice the shot is on, auto, on an autococker, how, 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 how smooth they shoot and how pretty, you know, how accurate they are and how nice they, they shoot. So it's, it's nice to see that. Oh, you know, yeah. You're seeing kind of it come around now you know, and people realizing how, how fun mech paintball actually is. Oh, yeah. Like, I got a, so, how long have you been with uh, Bushhawks for? Um, we started with them. Actually, I joined up with them at, at behind enemy lines. So this must have been we're in 2020. So, if memory serves correctly, probably about four or five years now. I think maybe yeah. maybe less. Taken, but I know it was it was around the time that uh, that I met Dave, um, and. We, uh, you know, we started talking, and actually, funny enough, I met Dave Veldoff because, um, I don't know, maybe five years ago, maybe more than that, I bought a gun off of him on Craigslist. I just, I wanted a new gun, and I went on Craigslist, and he was selling like a, like an 07 Eagle or something, and I met him in a parking lot, and we got to talking, and we kind of started, and he's like, he's from Jersey, and we started talking, and I'm like, yeah, I used to play for, you know, with you know, different, with different teams back in the, in the 80s and 90s. And he's like, oh, who'd you play with? And and then we had, you know, I said, oh, remember, I, kept, I played against Team Nemesis. And he's like, oh, Team Nemesis. I had my friend that played on Nemesis. Uh, his name's Rocky. 
And I'm like, oh, Rocky, yeah, he, you know, because Rocky used to play with Nemesis when he was a amateur before he went pro. Rocky Cagnoni. So we kind of had some people in common that we knew. Um, and um, so it's interesting. And then he told me about his, you know, he's opened up a shop and and then I started going out to the field and um, with my son, because my son's been playing since he was like nine. So um, so we, we would go out in the field and we would referee the games out the fields. And I worked mostly inside, you know, fixing uh, rental guns. And uh, my son would go out and referee the games. And then we met up with the guys from the Bush Hogs. And that's kind of how we started playing with them. Hmm. Wow. Like, like I said, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, uh, like you meet all these people that play paintball, like – we go, we go through all these games together and like you go to everybody's camp, you meet people, but you don't really ever hear their story. And like your story is kind of like, just, it's one of those stories is crazy. Like, like you, you've met all these, you were part of, you were part of the beginning of this stuff. That's, I never knew that. Oh yeah, no, I got, it's, it was, um, and it's funny because at the time I didn't think I was really, um, like it, it didn't seem like it was, I was being, uh, like I was a part of anything. We were, I was just playing with the guys at the field. We didn't yeah. realize that a lot of these, to go on to to play professional or to you know start teams and that were going to turn into anything we were just having fun and you know i was lucky enough that my mom and my dad actually let me go out and play and didn't make me stop playing when i came home full of bruises you know and like i said in those days we didn't play with face masks so i'd come home sometimes with huge bruises on my cheeks and my face and getting slapped in the face with because back then the, the pain was also harder the shells were thicker so the stuff with huge bruises and that my mom was like, well, at least he's out there doing something, running around, getting some exercise. So she kind of let me do it. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, at the time it didn't seem like you were really a part of anything. And now you look back and you're like, wow, it's like, you know, it's the beginning of paintball since it's changed so much now that, uh, and I'm realizing how people are wanting to get back well, to how it was, you know, uh, getting back to, you know. Is, is there any way you can like speak up a little bit? Like, it might be a little harder for people here. You, you're kind of soft-spoken. Yeah. Like, yeah, just, yeah, yeah that, that'll saying, probably better. Is that better? Yeah, like I was saying it's just it's nice that people are wanting to get back more. Like you see a lot of more mech play and pump play, and and those playing those games changes the way you play because you can't just spray and pray when you're playing in the pump game. You have to get yourself in the position to get the right shot, and and that teaches them. People think it actually makes you a better uh, player when you're playing with a with an electronic gun. When oh, you yeah. play mech or pump. So a lot of the younger guys realize how much fun it is, you know, to play with a mech gun. Even though some of these mech guns, I, I mean, I have a CBO and that thing shoots fast, faster <laughs> than any mech gun I ever had before. I mean, it's just smooth. And it's, I got that thing shooting so fast that, I mean, it feels like I'm playing with an electronic gun, honestly. Oh, yeah. Like, I just, uh, Brandon just sold me a Resurrection, so I'm pretty excited about using that. But yeah, like, like, oh, yeah, those are, those are nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I told I told Matt Sossman I was gonna get one. He's like, "Go ahead, and do it." He's like, "Buy it now." I'm like, "All right, cool." <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those are nice. Matt's an awesome guy. We've met him a bunch of times. He's been always super awesome with my son. I mean, he, that guy's as cool as they come. Oh yeah, like I I wasn't really expecting him to be as uh as as cool as he is. Like he's he's pretty he's pretty down to earth. Like he's pretty he's done, he's done quite a bit for the for the uh for the game too. But like he's just like I say he's he's real down down centered like. He's real humble and everything, so it's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, he always has been. It we 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 live we live in Concord, so we go to the field in, in Locust a lot. We used to go there a lot to Boss, and those guys are amazing over there. You know, George, um, you know, the owner's awesome, 
and Matt, so, I mean, he's, he was awesome from the first day he met my son. And the funny part is that when we first met him, I mean, I kind of knew who he was, but you know, it's, you know, when I showed my son, he's like, yeah, that guy is a, that guy is a real deal pro player. He's not, you know, and he saw the videos of him playing, you know, he was like, whoa, like, you know, and you would never know from meeting him because he doesn't give himself any kind of self importance at all. Nope. Even though, I mean, very humble and he won't tell people like people don't realize just how good that guy is. He's really good. Yeah, he's, like, he's pretty awful to play against when you're playing rec days. Uh, like he'll, he'll tear you up. Yeah, yeah, he's a straight killer. I mean, he is. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying to play against him because he's he's that good. I mean, you know, oh yeah, like, I can't imagine or play with him, play against him on the on the airball field when he's no, prime. Like, he must have ridiculous. I, w- I went one I went one one v one against him uh, down in Boston one one time, and it was not very pleasant for me. <laughs> like, he, he got me down pretty easy. Yeah, but, yeah, I bet. yeah, he was playing at a high level, man. He was playing pro ball at a high level. I think he was a uh, he was like number three in the world at one point. So what somebody was saying. And looks like it froze. Yeah, a little bit. Now uh, you're you're kind of going in and out there. All right, it looks like it looks like you're back up. All right, so yeah. so uh, I know I know you're busy right now. Like you're pretty busy with this whole COVID thing going on. But uh, what's the next game you're planning on going to if? We get opened up anytime soon. Oh, I don't know. I mean, um, I have no idea at this point, especially with work. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Some of the guys that I play with at the field, may have, and maybe you do too, may have noticed I don't have my beard anymore. Um, I had to shave it for work because we have to yeah. wear N95 respirators, and it doesn't make a good seal. So I had to shave my face, which my daughter wasn't too pleased with because I, she hasn't seen me without facial hair for a long time. And I look weird, but um, yeah, I had to shave it for work because uh, yeah. it's required. But yeah, who knows? I mean, at this point, they have us working pretty much seven days on, seven days off um, until this whole thing passes. Um, wow. And, um, you know, it's um, I work in the operating room as a circulator, circulating nurse. Um, and uh, right now it's not horrible, but uh, we've got, we have had cases of it in the, in, in our hospital and, um, I think what it is is they're really preparing for the for the worst and expecting the best um, right now. So who knows? Right now, I don't know when I'm going to play again. Uh, yeah. Hopefully soon. Uh, I keep telling my son, who knows? The next game we play at might be Fulda. That would suck. But at this oh, yeah. point, who knows? Um, I, you know. Hopefully, it's, hopefully it's going by Fulda at least. That that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, if not, I don't know what I'm going to do. Just because I don't want to miss Fulda, maybe hand sanitizer and a. And some social distancing, but I think I'd still want to go to the field, you know. Yeah, I, maybe I I'd need to the rest of the field. <laughs> some some of the fields, like I know the PBC fields, they're open right now for uh, limited groups and everything. So at least there's at least there's that going on right now. Yeah. So okay, so here's here's the deal. Like the reason why I like I like to have you on is because you know Brandon Brandon told me you know he he told me about what you do. So but like it's it's hard to trust what we, what you see on TV these days, like with all, with all the news, like, you know, how basically the news media is going to hype some stuff just so they can get ratings so they can get more money. And it's, you know, I think people deserve to hear the story from the people actually out there doing stuff. And you're one of those people that are actually in the front lines right now. So 
I mean, how, how is y'all's uh, PPE situation? Like, are you guys running low, or do you have enough stuff for for now? Well, the way the way it works at our hospital is, um, we do have. I mean, as far as I'm, as for me, I have what I need. We, they give us N95 masks. Uh, what they're doing is, um, they are. Uh, we are. We do have to reuse the one that we're using. Basically, what we do is we wear the N95, and then we wear a surgical mask over the top of it. And we have to pretty much wear the N95 masks with every patient now, not just um, patients that are suspected to be positive or waiting for a result. So we wear them with all the patients. But what they're doing is that um, when the when the what, what we call nurse anesthetists or the CRNAs, um, they're the nurse anesthesiologists. When they're intubating the patients, them and the doctors, the anesthesiologists, are the only ones in the room. We leave the room for 15 minutes before they intubate and after to kind of, cause you know, when you're putting something into somebody's airway, that's when you could have, you know, be more exposed. So those people have full PPE on, you know, they've got gown, mask, you know, they're completely covered. So um, that's pretty, it's a pretty ingenious way that they've, that they've done that. So to answer your question, we don't have enough PPE sort of, but we do the way that they did it. So, like, if we all had to stay in the room, we'd probably be running short. But because the way they're doing it, they figured out a way around it to keep us safe and to keep themselves safe. They've also had uh, some of the nurses, luckily enough, uh, one of the nurses we work with, her husband's, um, her husband made some face shields for us. Um, he, I guess he found the pattern somewhere online, and he's got a 3D printing machine. So he made, like, 70 or 80 uh, face shields that the anesthesiologists wear when they're in there with the patients. And then they, they've designed, they've designated a couple of the ORs as COVID rooms. So if a COVID patient comes in, they have nurses that have nurses and techs like instrument techs or surgical scrubs and doctors that have volunteered to work on these cases. So they give them all the stuff that they need to go do these cases. So they've made a pretty good plan as far as, uh, getting us enough. Now, this is, I say this because at Atrium or the hospital I work at right now, you know, we're okay. The number of cases that have come in, we've, we've been able to do, the, the, that hospital has not been overrun. I can't imagine in a place like New York or California or some of the other places that have been overrun, if, I don't know, um, what's going on right now. Uh, and yeah. They've they've got they've stopped doing all the non-essential surgeries, and they they're they're prepared like they're prepared to have to turn the ORs into ICU rooms if they have to. The hospital itself is prepared. They're not letting visitors in, so they've done what they've had to do to control the spread. And it seems, from what I've experienced, that we're ready in case we have a surge. You know, it all all depends how big that surge is. You know, I watch the news like everybody else, and from what I've seen. They, they keep adjusting the numbers lower and lower. So it's a combination of, who knows, the social distancing, the disease itself cycling around and starting to die off. You know, who knows? Uh, but I feel like right now, Charlotte's in a good spot, I think, by the number of cases we have. I know, and this is what I've been told, I, don't, I can't confirm 100%, but from uh, colleagues I work with um, that have either family members or acquaintances that work, for example, at Presby, you know, Presbyterian Hospital downtown, that there's more cases there than there is at Atrium. Hmm. Uh, and that might be because 
where atrium is a level one trauma. So I think they've been sending a lot of the cases to Presby, not wanting to overrun atrium because they know that it, when the, when, you know, when it hits the fan, yeah. everybody's just going to go to atrium because that's our big, you know, downtown hospital here. So, uh, but right now we've got, you know, we've got gloves, we've got masks, we've got face shields, we've got what we need uh, to feel protected. Like I, I can honestly tell you that I go to work and I'm, you know, I feel like they're doing their best to protect us. Um, and uh, I can tell you that as far as I know, like, you know, cases in our, in our hospital, I think the last counts were like 30 something cases in ICU. Um, so it's not horrible. Um, but, you know, I can see where in other places it might be really bad. Um, it seems like, and this is again, coming not, not from any evidence that I have or, you know, but you know, you watch sometimes um, in certain places that it feels like they're over-exaggerating the numbers, but then I don't know that because if you're not there, you don't know, you know yeah. I mean? It's hard to tell, you know, I know in New York, it seems like it's horrible. I mean, you know, that has to be bad. I mean, all the people that have died in a short period of time, um, it looks like it'd be, you know, it's pretty bad, but you know, I feel like we're, we're here in Charlotte, we're doing pretty good. You know, from my perspective as a nurse, we're doing pretty good. Uh, we've got what we need. I feel safe when I go to work that I'm not going to bring that home to my family. So, um, and again, you know, I say that with a grain of salt. I mean, I don't, you know, if I may be enough, if I'm an ICU nurse and I'm working in an ICU ward at Presby or someplace else where there's a lot of patients, you know, and maybe they're not giving me enough PPE, I may feel differently, you know? Yeah. So, and I could see, I could feel for some of these nurses that don't feel like they're being given the proper equipment to work on patients, you know? Yeah. Definitely. It's 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 good to hear they're actually trying to trying to take care of you guys because like I say if you if you just watch the news it just it seems like it's just like I say like I say you know ratings equal money but it seems like they try to they try to blow things up a little bit but like it's it's nice hearing that from a firsthand experience that the hospitals are actually trying to do the right thing for the people helping everybody that's that's a great thing yeah, definitely I can tell you that I I feel like my hospital is trying that's awesome. Um, you know, um, and I tell you, I mean, there's some things I agree with, some things I don't agree with. You know, obviously, having to reuse an N95 mask, I mean, that's not what they're designed for. But what they're doing with us is that they're you're taking the mask, they're they're taking them, they, they made they made up a special room where they put the masks and they hit them with ultraviolet light and they disinfect them so we can use them a couple more times. And I think we can use them a total of like two or three times, two or three days before we got to get rid of them. Or if they're soiled, we can get rid of them. So they're trying, and I mean, I get it too. You know, if I was in the position of our managers and our higher-ups, you know, you get hit with this, and they didn't have enough stuff to begin with. So they had to figure out a way to still treat patients, because you can't just shut down. No. Uh, to treat patients and still keep the staff. Because if you start, if staff starts getting sick, then you're in trouble. Because if you don't have nurses to, uh, to treat the patients, then you're in trouble. So oh, yeah, it's like the patients are important, but the staff's really important because if not, you know, and I'm happy to say that even with, as far as I know, in our hospital, there has not been many staff that have gotten sick. There have been some, but it hasn't been, it hasn't been as bad in other places. So it, it seems like they've done a pretty decent job um, of, you know, taking care of, of, of the people that get sick. And then when they do feel symptoms, getting them tested. Um, that's one thing I've heard from, people who have had symptoms that have gone tested and maybe tested negative, but were very promptly tested. They were told, go to employee health and get tested. Like there was no question. They didn't have to wait around. 
as soon as they woke up in the morning and said, I, feel, I don't feel well, I feel like I have a cold. And the supervisors were like, go get checked. Like, you know, they weren't taking any chances. So, you know, I know at first I think there was issues with people feeling sick and, and then not wanting to test them. But I feel like we, for us, they didn't waste any time. If somebody felt sick, they were automatically told to go get tested. And if they were negative, then they could come back to work. But if not, then they were they would stay home. So that's yeah, awesome. So I, I feel pretty good about that. And yeah, I feel it, like it's it, that, that does seem like they, they got their bases covered on that. That's awesome. So okay, so outside of work, how how worried are you about this outside of work? Like going out about like going to a grocery store or something like that. I mean, I you know, I know that they put out that directive about wearing masks, um, at the like wearing masks when you go out. It depends on where I go. Like the other day I went out with my daughter to, to Walmart and um, we wore masks that day. Um, Walmart seems to be very crowded um, f- from my experience. Um, Walmart, Dollar Tree, places like that. There's way too many people in there because they're not controlling how many people go in. I actually went into Academy the other day and Academy makes you wait by the door and they only let a certain amount of people in the store. Good idea. Yeah. No, Walmart would be harder because you'd have a line probably wrapping around the building because there's so many people. But I feel like a mask at a store, probably a good idea. One thing I see people doing is gloves. That's a bad idea. Okay. Um, because you're wearing gloves and then you're touching everything. You're touching your wallet, your keys, your credit card. You're punching numbers into the ATM machine. It's You know what? Wash your hands. Use hand sanitizer. I have a bottle of alcohol in my car, spray bottle. When I get in the car, I spray my hands. I spray the steering wheel. If you wash your hands, I mean, wearing gloves, it's funny. Um, when I was in nursing school, they, they showed us something. And when I worked, started working in the OR, um, they got, um, they had us put on double gloves and then get some, uh, it was like paint or something and, and rub it all over your hands and then take the gloves off. And they shined um, a black light on your hands and to show us that gloves are not impregnable. Stuff gets through gloves eventually. So, I think it's a bad idea to wearing gloves. I mean, I see a lot of people doing it. Unless you're going to put the gloves on, and then before you get in your car, you're going to take them off. Or before you, you punch in numbers in the register, you're going to take them off. And you're going to change gloves every time you touch something different. That's nope. just, you're wasting your resource to somebody else that really needs it to use. Um, you know, and I, also the masks, like the cloth masks I see, the homemade masks. Those things really don't protect you very well. I mean, it's better than nothing. But um, unless you put some kind of filter in it, it's not going to stop actual COVID um, particles from getting through, even if it's cotton. Um, but I see a lot of people wearing them and they like they're making them and, you know, it's it's fine, but it's not going to protect you if you have go up against some, somebody with COVID. The only thing that's going to protect you is washing your hands and not touching your face, which funny enough, uh, first couple of days I was at work, I didn't realize how much I touched my face. Oh, yeah. And actually, we were wearing masks at work all day, regular, regular surgical masks. And um, it was actually helpful because it kept me from touching my face. I could not. It's like the minute I get to work, my face starts getting all itchy. It's crazy. It's like I want to rub my eyes, rub my face. And that's like the number one thing you shouldn't do. Um, another thing that I started doing at work is not grabbing the handrails when I went up and down the stairs. Also didn't realize how much I did that. And it's, you know. But you, you have to grab doorknobs and you have to do things like that. So the best thing, advice I can give anybody is wash your hands. Just keep washing your hands um, using hand sanitizer because, you know, and if you're concerned, wear a mask. If not, you know, just make sure you wash your hands. 
and stay away from people. Don't get all bunched together um, because uh, at the end of the day, that's the only thing that's really going to help. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's because, uh, you know, it's not, you know, you still have to go out. You have to do groceries. You have to get gas. That's another thing I do is I keep a bottle, that, that bottle of alcohol, I wipe down the gas pump because everybody's touching the gas pump. Um, so it's just, it just makes you realize how much you didn't wash your hands before, how much you didn't wash your hands. Yeah, I, I kind of, I'm kind of a germaphobe anyway. So like, I've always got hand sanitizer with me. I, like, I always wash my hands. Like, and it's like, I'm like, okay, this is kind of like normal operations for me. You know? I, like people make fun of me all the time. Like before, well, they used to make fun of me all the time before this, because if I went to a store, the first thing I did when I came back out, hand sanitizer. If I touched anything, hand sanitizer. They're like, oh, they're like, we didn't know you. We didn't know you're such, such messed up in the head. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm messed up in the head or I'm trying to be safe. Yeah, maybe now people are realizing that we used to make fun of people that washed their hands so much, and it's not oh, a bad yeah. idea. Most of us probably don't wash our hands enough as it is, um, so it's probably a good idea to. And it's not. That's why so many people are always getting colds and the flu and everything else is because you don't wash your hands enough. Uh, well, people think, like, oh, you know immune system that's not necessarily the case and then you got those 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 hair those hand dryers that they're in the bathrooms they make it worse too because you know you spread what whatever whatever's in that bathroom gets to go around the air and it gets to land land on the hand dryer and then like you blow it on your hands and then you, you touch your face with it it's just yeah. I, I, those those creep me a lot yeah uh you, yeah there's a reason why uh, when doctors wash their hands before they go into the operating room, they wash their hands and they walk in and they dry their hands with a towel. Oh yeah, like sit there. They don't sit there and air dry, or they don't use a, hair, a hair, an air dryer. They use uh, a paper towels or not paper towels. They use a, a cloth towel to wipe their hands because that's the best way. Because when if you wash it, yeah, that, I've never used those those. I don't like using those air dryer things. That thing's all kinds of bacteria in that. I mean that's. And it blows my mind because a lot of places don't even offer the paper towels anymore because it's probably cheaper to have a machine. But, but you're right. Oh, yeah. that's, that's not a good idea. Yeah, it's, just, it's it's one of those things like like one, one of the guys I work with, he he goes in the bathroom. Like they got they have the sinks that have the hair dryers, that have the hand dryers in them. And I'm like, okay, first of all, you just washed all this nastiness off your hands. And now you're blowing it back on your hands. All right, cool. That's that's That makes sense to me. But it's yeah. I it's, it's, I've seen people at stores. They're wearing their they're wearing a the mask part time. Like they'll be, they'll wear it for a little bit. They'll take it off. They'll put it back on. Like I'm like, you're you're defeating the purpose right there. Or you'll have the people that they'll look at something and they'll take their mask. They'll touch their nose, pull it off, look at something, and then put it right back on their nose. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm like that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you see people driving with gloves on. Like it makes no sense to me. Like yeah. it's just weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's either it's with the mask is either wear it or don't wear it, and with gloves, it's just don't wear gloves. Just wash your hands, because then you're just contaminating the whole inside of your car. If that's the you know, I mean, like it's it's just. But people don't people just it's a false sense of security thing with the gloves. Honestly, is what it is, um, and uh, yeah, I mean that's it's just people are just mis misinformed. They they think they're doing something and they're trying. It's you know no fault on them. Yeah, you know, somebody's just trying to get sick, but it's just. Uh, uh, and that's why, you know, and you'll see other people telling, saying the same thing, telling people don't wear gloves, just put a mask on if you want to, but wash your hands. Um, yeah. And that's really the best, the best way you can avoid it, you know. See, like, I blame I blame a lot of that on, like, not just, okay, the media, the media like I said, I've already, I've already got a thing against the media because they, they blow stuff out just to, just to make money. But, like, people go on Facebook 
and they read from a uh, Facebook doctors is what I like to call them. And like, they're telling them, Oh no, you do this, you do that. You do this. This isn't a big deal. No, I do it. And like, Oh, well I read it somewhere. So it must be true. And that's why, yeah. that's why I want to have people. They're actually out there in the front lines on here talking. Like maybe, maybe somebody's going to listen to the show and like hear what you said. And like, Oh yeah, maybe I should stop listening to social media and listen to people. They're actually out there doing stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I tell you, it's what I mean. I work at the hospital. I'm, I'm there. I'm, you know, I'm there every day. And it's just, you know what? You know, when I come home from work, I, I'll give you an example. What I do is, I come home from work. You know, when I leave the, you know, obviously when we work in the operating room, we change out of our street clothes, put on scrubs in our locker room. But when we leave, we get back into our street clothes. And I have a, the pair of shoes that I use at work. I leave at work. And when I get home, I leave my my Crocs. I wear Crocs at work, and I have two pairs of Crocs, which actually. Um, just want to put this out there. Um, I'm not even sure if it's still going on, but for anybody who's a healthcare worker, a nurse, scrub tech, doctor, I think you know pretty much any healthcare worker, if you log on to the Crocs website, you can get a free pair of Crocs. Um, wow! You just log on there, and you put your who you work for. You put your work email, and they send you a free pair of Crocs. I got a free pair, um, so they're trying to help out um, healthcare workers. That way, you can and they're nice because those you can wipe them down because they're made out of rubber. So I wear my crocs home. I leave them outside, and when I get home, I take all my clothes off, throw them in the dry in the washer, and take a shower, and I wash that clothes. So I don't track all that stuff in the house, uh, and I don't, you know, when I get home, hello to all the family members, but go straight into the shower, um, and um, and then when I get and when I get in my car at work, I also spray everything down with alcohol, the bag I'm carrying with alcohol, and you know, so that's what I do. You know, I'm not wearing a mask. Everywhere I go, I can tell you, like I said, I wore a mask that one day at Walmart because it was so crowded. But um, I'm not wearing gloves. I, I wear gloves at work when I'm inside the OR. I'm not even wearing gloves at work when I'm in the, in the lounge or just anywhere else on my floor. I'm just washing my hands way more than I used to. That's pretty much all I can tell you. And wiping my car down with alcohol. And again, when you pump gas, you know, you can. that's one of the things that other times I have worn gloves. I had some some gloves in my car and I put them on the pump gas and then throw them away before I get back in the car. That's a good use for gloves right there. Oh yeah. And yeah. People touch all kinds of stuff before they touch those, before they touch those uh, fuel handles. Like even normally yeah. it's just nasty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hadn't thought about that until this whole thing happened, how nasty the gas pumps are. Oh yeah. I said, you know, I do, you know, I work, I work on the front lines and that's what I do. I don't, you know, I come home, shower, make sure don't wear the shoes in that I wore outside. And, and that's it, you know. Um, I think some people are just taking it a little overboard. But to me, it's almost like, hey, if you want to take it overboard, that's fine, as long as it doesn't affect everybody else. Yeah. Um, as long as what you're doing is not hurting everybody else. And, you know, it's a broader thing. You know, like the people buying up all the supplies, you know, obviously that's kind of hurting somebody because, you know, you're buying up everything. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think it's getting better now. Like you can actually go out and find stuff now. I think the, the initial people that were freaking out have already bought all the stuff they needed. Um, so they're leaving some for everybody else. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, and you know, and you, what you were saying is right. The media does kind of, uh, inflate things a little bit. We've, I commented that with my wife all the time that it seems like they're, you know, uh, you watch the news and if you want, you sit there too long, you'll, you'll really feel like you want to get in a bunker somewhere. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they're making it sound. I mean, if you, if you, t if you sit there and tell people, Hey, there's a new virus out, a hundred people get sick and, one person dies that 
you're not really going to pay attention to the news. But if you're sitting there saying, oh, 100 people sick now, one person died now, but tomorrow it could be way worse, people are going to watch that. It's plain and simple. Yeah. So that's how, you, that's how you get money. That's how you get ratings. Yeah. So, and it, it seems like I think maybe uh, at first it, to me, I thought, well, it's a good thing because you're trying to scare people into staying home. And, you know, because I, I remember at the very beginning watching these these uh, uh, these idiots on spring break, you know, these young kids on spring break, you know, out there in Florida. And I blame. But I mean, at the, same, at the, at the end of the day, you almost have to blame the uh, the governor and, the and, you know, and, and the mayor of the city of whatever Coral Gable or uh, Miami Beach, wherever they were, Fort Lauderdale. Because they should have shut down those beaches, and they should have they should have done that sooner. Because you know, if you let them, it's a bunch of young people. I mean, you know, yeah. you you and me, we were 18, 19 years old, and thought we were bulletproof. Yep. So you know, here we probably would have been one of those people out there partying too. So, um, you know, uh, I almost felt like they they had to scare people a little bit in, into like doing something. But um, at the same time, yeah, you know, it's ratings. It's oh, yeah. trying to get their money, their ratings. And um, sensationalism sounds way better than, hey, this is getting better. You know, the numbers are going down. You know, I, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. You know? That's awesome. Well, hey, um, I'm going to go ahead and let you get back to your get back to your family because I know, like you say, you're, yeah, you're not getting a lot of time off or anything. So I'm going to let you go ahead and get back to them. I appreciate you coming back. on. Uh, I appreciate yeah. you coming on to the show. And like I say, you're welcome to come on anytime. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, man, we'll do. Yeah, yeah, I'll come on whenever you want me to, man. All right, man. Well, hopefully, we'll see you on the field sooner than full gap. Yeah, hopefully, man. All right, take it easy. All right, brother. Take care, man. You too. All right, bye. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for turning in. Hopefully, that this is some information that uh helps out somebody. You know, we all watch social media. We all watch TV. Hopefully somebody in the front lines telling you what's going on and help telling you how to help this from really affecting you. Hopefully this changes somebody's views on what goes on, like and how everything's going. I appreciate you guys watching and hopefully uh, you like the show.